Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today I'm joined by directors Matt Glass and Jordan Wayne Long to talk about their film Ghosts of the Ozarks. The film is currently available on VOD. In post-Civil War Arkansas, a young doctor is mysteriously summoned to a remote town in the Ozarks only to discover that the utopian paradise is filled with secrets and surrounded by a menacing supernatural presence. This is a great little film, really enjoyed it, and had a great time uh, chatting with Matt and Jordan about the film. This was actually the second time that we attempted the interview, first time it was a truncated, just a quick little uh, 10 minute call and it was done over the phone, so we wanted to have another shot at it, something a little bit longer and something with better sound quality, so hope you enjoy it, thanks. Had a good brainstorming session. Oh, good. Yeah. Hey, Howdy. Chris. Morning, guys. Hey. How you doing today? Good. Hey, thanks doing? for being so cool about the mix-up last week. I appreciate it. No worries. Thank you. I'm that, that was my fault. I've done this enough times and screwed this up where I wasn't completely explicit about time zones. So that's completely my fault. Oh, dude, that's sweet of you, but I'm pretty sure I just biffed it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how are you? I'm good. I'm good, man. How are you guys doing today? Good, man. Really good to be here. So how you've had the film out since the last time we've talked for a little bit. How, how's that been going? That has to be a pretty exciting time right now, I would assume, for both of you. It's real fun. It, <laughs> it really is. It's and, and especially given a little bit of time uh, after the re- release, it's been uh, it's been really fun. We've, we've got to go to, I guess, what, four uh openings in theaters and, and, and Q and A's. And, and that's been great. We were in Phoenix last week and I totally didn't realize that you were in Arizona. Otherwise I would have invited you. Um, I would have gone up there in a heartbeat. <laughs> I, I I'm, I'm actually on, I'm in Tucson. It's about a little bit over an hour from where I live. It would have been, oh, yeah, but God damn it. <laughs> me, me again, me again. <laughs> yeah. Cause this is uh, right away. One of the things that strikes me about this, cause I've had the chance to watch the film twice now is that awesome. this is something that I would love to see in a theater for the scale that you guys were able to pull off on a what's essentially a micro budget almost here is really impressive. And I'm sure that it just plays even better on a big screen. Thanks. And I got to say one thing about that. And it is awesome to see in a theater, uh, not only for the visuals, but Matt's music and the people we had, we got to do sound design with was for uh, called 40, was it? 424. 424. Thanks, Matt. <clears throat> um, but these guys were just incredible. And, and Matt and I got to spend a month in the sound design uh, process with them. And uh, they are one of the big reasons it sounds so good in the theater. It's nuts. I did see, I didn't get the the experience of seeing it in the theater, but having kids, I do often watch things with noise canceling headphones on at you know 10 o'clock at night because I can't do that. And while yeah. not the same, I if you're watching this at home, I definitely recommend it because the sound design is really impressive here. Nice. That's awesome, man. Thanks. Thank you. That's good to hear. <laughs> so yeah, I how, never, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, please go. Yeah, please. Oh, I was just going to say that I, I hooked up my 5.1 surround speakers on my computer because I had never, I hadn't hooked them up in, since we moved to LA because it's loud. And it was so nice to just like blast that movie and be like, oh, this is what it'll sound like. It's great. <laughs> That's it. <And laughs> to, I'm a... I'm a big sound guy, really. Um, I think that audiences will forgive a lot, whether it's conscious or unconscious. You know, we can accept things that have really low visual production value where you, we can watch something like Tangerine shot on an iPhone and completely accept it. But if you're using the mic from the phone 
to capture audio, we're probably going to push back against that. I really think that the sound design is probably, if you're doing a small budget film, the thing that is often overlooked and really one of the most important things in selling a film. Definitely agree. hundred percent, man. Like we, we made documentaries when we first started out and that's literally the conversation we have. We're like, listen, we cannot get the sound wrong. And, 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 you know, we can, we can forgive all of my out of focus shots, but like <laughs> they won't forgive sound design and yeah, you're right on the money. Well, you know, if you're watching a scene, you can say, oh, look, they did something there. They, they, were, they were trying to get across something, went out of focus for a moment. What was the <laughs> filmmaker trying to tell me? And if you're going through a scene and each side of the dialogue has, it's the sound design isn't balanced on that, you're going to pick up on that and it's just going to feel much cheaper. Mm -hmm. than it, Absolutely. You know, so, to me. So we're, I, I guess to kind of, this is the second time we're doing this. So um, yeah. we pretend like that first conversation never happened. <laughs> Um, can you talk a little bit about where the idea for this film came from? What was the uh, genesis of this? Yeah, man, you bet. I'm uh, from a small town called Bald Knob, Arkansas in the Ozark Mountains. It's really where the Ozarks meet the Delta. So I'm right on the cusp. But there was this group of vigilante uh, people in the Ozark Mountains in the 1800s called the Bald Knobbers. So as a small child, I thought they were right outside my door. And I was really scared of them. Like so much so we have this little place in Branson, Missouri called Silver Dollar City. And they have a, a ride called Fire in the Hole. And I, I cried and screamed until I was big enough to ride that ride. And then I cried and screamed the entire time. I, I had built it up so much in my mind. And so that's, I started, I brought these ideas to Matt and we just like, you know, beat boarded them all out when we were making a short film called Rain uh, that Matt directed. And uh, that's where the Genesis really started. Branson is such an unusual city. I, I spent a summer doing opera in the Ozarks and um, on the other side there. And it Stop was. Stop it. Yeah, in Eureka Springs. Yeah, there was, a, there was an opera company I, there. I love Eureka Springs. Uh, my wife and I go there every time we go back to Arkansas. It's beautiful. It's, it's the best. It, it, to me, it's the reason to go to Arkansas out of everything that I saw when yes. I was there. It's an amazing place. But, yeah. um, Branson itself is just such a, I mean, as an adult, I was a little bit frightened of the city going there. It's yeah. the, 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 I guess if you're not familiar with it, the way I would describe it, it's like Vegas without alcohol, I guess is probably how, and whatever that would lead you to believe is probably true. It, I think. Except the alcohol is just driving up and down the street constantly honking <laughs> and just yelling things. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, so, um, and then how, it's just such a bold move, though, to make on a limited budget to make a period piece that's crossing genres and to try to pull this off. You're doing a Western kind of ghost story, kind of supernatural thing. It's it's all these different elements that are coming together in one. And I'm wondering, um, it's a ballsy move to make. It's it's kind of definitely not the path of least resistance. And so what led you to think that you could pull this off? And I think you did. You pulled it off, but it's a it's a bold move for sure. Matt, do you want to take this one? Uh, well, I don't. I mean, I'm the pessimistic one, so the whole time I'm sure I was just like, I don't know if it's going to happen, but at least we're trying. At least he's building. It, we'll figure something out if he builds a town. You know, I think paintball. Talk about paintball would be a good. We could make a movie, make it a paintball arena. I mean, you're you're really explaining why we work so well together, because I am. I don't think I'm toxic positivity but i'm definitely like i believe that we can do what we set our minds to I, I believe in us wholeheartedly and but but because you said that 
because you say that it, it really did exactly what we had hoped it would do is like we were throwing our Hail Mary and we were doing everything that we could and, and we never wanted to be uh, stopped by a budget like we made a $20,000 film called Squirrel and Matt came to me and he was like hey there's like this revolutionary war scene for 10 minutes that that starts off the film like should I just cut that and I was like nah man we'll figure it out <laughs> and, you know and like we did that film for 20,000 and I think us pulling that off and being like we can do this we can do this and so it was one of those things where it's like everything's crazy until it's obvious and the only way you get to obvious is it is just like one step in front of the other pursuit and Luckily, we had like a killer team beside us. I had my dad with me building the town. Um, you know, our first AC, who was also um, Joe in the film and gets his tongue cut out. Uh, he, yeah. he was, he's, he's also like uh, works with us on yeah, just everything. He produced the behind the scenes footage, which uh, we just released like two days ago, Chris. So you might want to like check that out. It's uh, if you want to see how we did it. But, uh, but like yeah, 50 minutes of writing it, building the town, production, music, and then post-production. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, it's yeah. seeing those kinds of things. I think I'm, I'm, I'm 45. So I think seeing those kinds of things when I was in my early twenties, they were always so helpful to see how young filmmakers pull things like this off and how they could do yeah. it. I mean, I'm, I'm 39. Okay. You know? And, and so like we, you know, we're, we're right there with you. We, we got into the game late. Uh, we, we, we met in grad school. Uh, when I was like 29, I think. Maybe. And, and, and so, and then we came out here in 2013 and yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're right in the same demographic and yeah, it's, uh, yeah. The, well, the it's, era of DVDs, I guess. Well, yep. it's a, and a lot of people that are kind of in this age group. I think a lot of us were inspired by Robert Rodriguez and him having the sort of the mini miniature film schools at the end of the DVDs and, that you know, kind of whole famous thing around El Mariachi. It's just like I had a bus, I had a dog, um, okay, and I had a guitar. So this is the movie that I could make. And it doesn't seem like you guys took that approach where you looked around at, I guess maybe just the location, because that does a lot of heavy lifting here. Just shooting this in the area gives the production probably a great uh, it, it increases um the production value quite a bit. But um that idea of just using what you have access to, I mean, clearly you're having to build the town you're having to have period costume done this isn't just like unless you guys happen to know a bunch of reenactors that you're hanging out with on the weekends or something i didn't I can't imagine that would be uh easy access no we okay no go ahead maddie i was gonna say i think it's similar in that we knew what skills we had so it wasn't necessarily we have a bus and we have a dog but it was we have a guy who knows about carpentry and we have a whatever the heck i do post-production stuff and, everything yeah and so we knew what we could do. We knew what we were capable of. We knew what things could stop us. And if they did stop us, how we could continue anyway. And so, was, I mean, that's, yeah, that's a really good point. Like we, there were times like, especially when COVID was hitting where we didn't think we would have any actors on set, but we were still going to make the movie. And like, Matt was going to play Torb. And that's like, no lie. Like we were like, Hey, like if it comes down to it, we're still shooting this thing. I don't care if it's just all of us in it. Like we're going to make something. And that's the thing. I was like, you know, you just have to figure out a way to like not stop and no, you're going to run into a million problems along the way. And you just have to decide to step over them and deal with them and just keep going. And it's like, you would never look back on it and be like, I can handle that again, you know, but like it, 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 when it, yeah, it's, it was a really interesting, like I mentioned before, it was just really everyone that was around us. Uh, we just all kind of knew that if we kept going, like it would come together. Um, we just didn't know what form, but we were okay with that. 
we were just like, we're going to make it. Yeah. Uh, I'm pessimistic for sure, but I'm never pessimistic to the point where I think it's never going to happen. Cause I know no matter what happens, we, we will make something like, it's never a thing. We're like, ah, we got three fourths of the way through a movie or halfway through a movie and we just couldn't do it. It's that's never been a thing. It doesn't matter. We know how to like, we can finish it. We can do it. Cause we couldn't, we couldn't even reshoot traditionally on go see Ozarks because of everything that was going on. So there's like 11 shots from the film that are in our backyard because that's how we had to reshoot things. And it was just like my yeah. hands or. Yeah. You know, so tell- for, the, for Torb in the rain, the close-ups of his cleavers is Jordan's Jordan's hands in the backyard. With, we're just like a hose. We're shooting water at him. And that kind of- <laughs> we brought Tommy back and we shot like some falling scenes, like in the backyard. And uh, we brought Phil in and, and we, and we did right. that like around the area. And uh, then the crowd scene, at the end, we couldn't have a lot of, I think we only had like 19, 20 extras. And so Matt ended up putting like 60 versions of like six of us just in different <laughs> outfits outside in the backyard. Just nice. And roar. Yeah. So nice. it's like, like he said, like it doesn't, whatever we get, we're going to, we're going to get it together and put it into something and make something unique. And I don't know, we, it, that is part of like just being craftsman filmmakers is what we like to say, which is just like, what do you have around you? What's your skill set? Like, let's build it from there and, and make, make that thing look awesome. Cause we know we can. So like, I've been, I've been driving loaders, like front end loaders since I was a kid. So I can move dirt and I know that looks impressive on screen. So like, you know, and that was something we wanted to do was like, how much can we build so that we can get bigger actors? Because the way that you convince people is just to show them how much you care about this film. And so building that town and having them walk into the bar and then walk out into 1866 completely surrounded like they were like i'm in and i'll give you everything i have and you can see like that's what happened it's really neat and can you talk a little bit about the casting process here because i know you have some of your people that you've worked with that are coming back here but you also peppered in quite of a quite a few bigger names here and it's a really impressive cast that you've put together and they all play together really perfectly it feels like kind of a dream cast thank you i mean tara perry tara perry uh, she's the casting director and she, uh, also did 12 hour shifts. And though that team is a lot of our friends from Tommy Hobson to, you know, to, to Brooke and Tara and, and, and all, and, and, uh, I guess Aaron Proof, she was also in 12 hour shifts. So and we have this team hour shift and, and me, I guess I was other cop in 12 hour shift. And, you know, we had brought, uh, David and Christina, uh, along for that. And then we brought them on to ghost and, and, so getting uh, Tim was really David sending the script to Tim and Tim was like, Hey, I really like this. Can I have a meeting with y'all? And that's really when like, I think that idea of like building a big gesture worked because he was just like, well, how are you guys going to shoot this? You know? And it's like, well, we've been building a town that's, you know, been making the music. And, and so like showing them those two elements, he was like, Oh, you guys are serious. Yeah. I'm in. And to his credit, I mean, that was awesome that he was just like, yeah, no, I see something in y'all. I'm like, let's go. So, um, and then Phil Morris had just been the voice of Matthew the entire time uh, because Tara had been in a Roddenberry short with him. And so he, he was really in our minds as soon as we were writing it. And so it was kind of unreal uh, to just get him to show up on set. And then Angela Bettis, I mean, she's one of the just most amazing people ever. And we worked with her on 12 hour shift. And so um, we just asked her if she would read the script and she was like, absolutely. And then even after her shooting, she stayed 
uh, for another two weeks to, to work on the costume crew and help out. And I mean, you, you can't beat people who understand what indie filmmaking is and like, and are just there to help, help you tell a story. Real cool. Today's episode of the following films podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. So when I went into Bookman's Day, after speaking with Harry, I wanted to look for Heaven Can Wait. I figured it was a shot in the dark, but I knew that there were three versions of it. So there was the Damamichi version that I'm not even sure what year that came out, but it was the original, I think. I, th- I think that's the original Heaven Can Wait. And then there was the one with Warren Beatty from 78. And then there was a remake that was done by Chris Rock called Down to Earth. And I was open to seeing any of these, all three of these would have been cool. Any one of these, if it would have been there after um, thinking about hereafter, this would have been something I would want to watch. And so fortunately, when I went in, the one that I wanted to see the most, the one with Warren Beatty was actually there. Um, And this movie was directed by Warren Beatty. um, And I think it was nominated for like nine Academy Awards. It's something that in my mind, because this was on HBO a lot when I was a kid, and I think I took this movie for granted for a long time that I didn't realize how amazing this film is, that how profound and beautifully shot it is. And this is just a great film. And this conversation uh, that I had for Hereafter reminded me of that, and it was something I really wanted to revisit. And this movie is phenomenal. If you haven't seen it, um, definitely do yourself a favor and check it out because Warren Beatty basically plays a, a quarterback, a backup quarterback for the Rams. And he's about to go into the Super Bowl. And then when he's riding through this tunnel, um, he ends up getting into a car accident and passes away. And so it's about the choices that you make in life and the things that are left unsaid and kind of dealing with that. And um, he refuses to believe that his time was up and he decides to investigate what happened. And it's a really interesting film. Um, and it's something that you should definitely see. If you haven't seen it or you haven't seen it in a long time, like I had since I was a kid, it's one that's definitely worth revisiting. And that's one thing that I really, really love about every time I go into Bookman's that even when I have something very specific in mind or something general, um, walk in the door and there's a good chance that if I might not have the exact thing that I'm looking for, there's going to be something similar to it. And I might end up just stumbling across something that I didn't even know that I was, uh, that I was looking for. So whenever I'm looking for movies, Blu-rays, DVDs, VHS, I always go there first, first place I check out, but also a great place to look for vinyl as well as instruments. They have tons of them. I actually was able to pick up an acoustic bass a couple weeks ago, and I've been playing it almost daily since then. Um, But yeah, remember, Bookman's, they have your cool covered. Enjoy the rest of the show. You're you're muted. Of course, my dogs were barking because my wife just came home, so I had it completely forgotten. No no worries. um, Sorry about that. Uh, So... I'm assuming, though, that having an isolated set like this and being in the middle of COVID, that it was not only helpful from just a logistic kind of keeping people safe and feeling good about what they're doing at pretty scary times, but also mm-hmm. just that idea of being thrown completely into that world that it kind of had that double advantage of doing that in the end, I would assume. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, even while not on set, we were still isolated. So we, people could only hang out with people in their little pods, like the costume people could hang out with the costume people and that kind of thing. So there was this sort of camaraderie thing that started to happen and everybody rooting for each other. And like, it was an interesting time. And COVID was so new and there was so much more fear around it that like, 
everybody was doing everything they could to help out, which felt great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Truth. And yeah, like Tommy Hobson coming in, uh, he had been in LA and he kind of stepped onto the set. He was just like, I just like relented. He was like, I was so terrified of everything that was going on. And he was like, and that's what James needed to be. And so he was like, it was so easy for me to fall into that. He's like, cause that's what I was feeling. And that was really, that's a really interesting. Phil, we'll talk about that too on podcasts and stuff about just that feeling, helping really like, unfortunately helping us get into that state of, of that town. And yeah. Crazy time. And could you, we touched on a little bit, talk a little bit about the, the music in the film. Cause I, I love um, how f- many genres this movie touches upon. Um, you jump all over the place and I, and I always like big swings and I think you, you land it, you hit it, nailed it, get it out of the park, but it's still to do, to have essentially what's a musical number in the middle of the film is a really bold move. And I think that you, you have to have a certain amount of buy-in from the audience at that point. And I think it's put exactly at the right point. Cause if you would have done that any sooner, probably could have had pushback from the audience in that way. But it's just at this point, you're like, okay, I'm already in. So what else do you have? Bring it. Let's, let's see what you guys can do now. And I just love the, the, the audacity of kind of every element of this film, including that. I think there is uh, something about putting these little like tests along the way to let people know that it's not, to like to change what their expectations are because I mean, the title is ghost of the Ozarks. It sounds like a straight horror something. So you have to put things in, in there. Like the beginning we open with like the narration, which is like more of a nod to like a fantasy or uh, some sort of fable just to give people like, Hey, let's, this is what the direction we're going. And then you add these little hands to be like, we need to prepare you for this. So you don't just like every time you horror isn't happening, you're not like, Hey, where's all the horror. So I think the musical number was definitely a way to be like, was a the probably one of the biggest swings of that being like this isn't the thing you think it is and you know get on board yeah and, it was great. and uh that actual the the song itself um doing that it's it's not just that you have to take that swing the song has to work as well and i think the song does work it's a it's a good song it's a catchy little riff that you have that piano riff is great thanks yeah he, so wrote, I, it, he wrote it in 24 hours yeah. <laughs> on a week, a weekend, a couple of weeks before Tim was like, Hey, I want to hear the song so I can get practicing on it. And we're like, Oh no. So I wrote it while Jordan was working and then he came in and wrote the lyrics. And I think I had done another song beforehand and we were like, yeah, this isn't good. I mean, it wasn't, we tried it. it just didn't, it didn't have the upbeatness to it, I think. But yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, upbeat. I, I yeah, I, I, it is, it does have an up tempo. But it's definitely not like a for all the things this movie is, there's a lot of fun to be had here, but I don't know that it's necessarily like feel good. Yeah, pretty dark. Yeah, well, lyrically, especially, it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, th- that has to be a pretty surreal experience to walk onto set or to look back at the playback in a theater and see Tim Blake Nelson in your film. That just has to be, uh, to me, that would be something it would be hard for me to get my head around. He's one, yeah, okay, there. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> that has to, it's kind of, there's moments that you have in life. I think every once in a while where you kind of look back and say, okay, there you go. That happened. So whatever took to get to this place, it was worth it. It feels good. It's if I don't get anything else that happens, the rest of it, I should at least be happy with this part of the journey up until now, whatever comes after it. And I, 
that, that I would assume that has to be that kind of feeling there with this film. Definitely. I think, I mean, well, I mean, you're while you're shooting, you're so much worried about everything else. You don't get a chance to think about it, but usually on breaks or afterward, you're like, what, how did this happen? How did we get here? I know like filming you, uh, like with Tim and Angela, like recording the song in the hotel, Matt, that was a cool moment for me. I was just like, man, like, I, I can't believe we're here. This is great. Mm-hmm. This is great. This is really fun. And, and that was really neat. I think Angela learning piano and, and she had told us when she took the part, she's like, I, I won't sing. And we were like, that's okay. And, you know, Matt sent the song and then she showed up and she just went for it. And it was the first time that he, she had sang, you know, in a film. And I think that's a real uh, thing towards Matt and his music and how comfortable he made them feel to be like, I'll take care of you. I'll make sure it sounds good. You know what I mean? And that's, that's saying a lot. And that was really neat to, to watch. And she did great too. Like she mm. okay. loved it. And playing on the 1862, like chickering piano and like her learning it for us and everything. Like that was just too cool. So that then cool. is that uh, a live recording? I mean, of them at the moment, is she actually playing that then? Or is she playing along to something? That She's playing. Uh, she, playing along there were scenes that we i think we cut most of it out where she would play it in the background um at the beginning of the scene when they start singing is the, their live audio except for the piano which is pre-recorded and then once it cuts away from them it goes to the recorded well, audio. but yeah but they did a great job we weren't expecting to use their live audio but it just sounded so good so we just whipped it in that's awesome that's great yeah <laughs> and uh, just what's going to be next for you guys because this i'm assuming you're collaborating together again after this you have that okay this is definitely a partnership for a while yeah yeah oh yeah um what is it that makes you work like this in this particular way with each other this how do you delegate things out and um and what's going to come next i guess it's kind of a big question but i think the delegating is just that we're we're not different because we have so much we're very much alike but just in like skill sets and stuff we're just like we have the different things we need so there's not a lot of overlap we're like well i want to do that thing that you do really i want to build the sets yeah i want to i want to i want (laughs) to after effects that for 20 hours let me add it yeah Yeah. so we just have yeah uh opposing opposing skill sets complimentary complimentary there you go we're gonna have to talk about this later um No, I, it is cool. And it's like, I have never met, I, I ne- before I met Matt, I had never met anyone who would match my like intensity for what I wanted to do. And my like, my just joy of going after something. And, and it's cool because he is the last line of defense and he finishes the film. And so I know that like whatever amount of energy I put into the front of it, like is going to be like matched and and pushed forward like on the back end and so i feel you know you you just know you're going to be respected like it's that thing of just like feeling like you're like hey thank you for like taking what i do seriously and vice versa and like that propels me pretty much to no end and that's what's fun like we don't know which project we'll be doing next but we know we're doing a project and all we want to do is just push like our talents and push like the people that work with those talents like to the just just to the pinnacle and just see what we can do i know it's like really lofty but i'm the positive guy what am i supposed to say (laughs) oh you're muted and and matt is that something where uh 
when this idea is being kicked around, do you look at it and kind of have the, oh, Mr. Positivity just created 150 VFX shots, or is that something (laughs) about VFX? Usually I'm the one who's like, I will do it in post. And then later (laughs) on, I'm the one who has to stop it. I didn't like, I'm like, you can't keep saying that. (laughs) We got to do it beforehand. (laughs) Awesome. Save yourself. I'm definitely looking forward to whatever that project happens to be because I'm a fan. I, I really dug this Thanks. movie. Um, Thank you, man. So it's on VOD right now. Will there, as a kid of the '90s, '80s, I guess, yes, there will be. There will be a physical release then. Outstanding. Yes. Okay. DVDs, as like what we've been told, is like DVDs are are coming out. They ask for like bonus features and stuff like that. So is that correct, Matt? Yeah, I think it'll be a few months. We'll post it on yeah. our website or whatever when it happens. That's Absolutely. fantastic. I, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm still one of those dorks that still collects physical media. I know we're a, a dying breed at this point, but yeah. My, it's awesome. What's yeah. that? You can't. I said I have my share of DVDs. I So far, everything we've made has a DVD release, and I just want to keep the collection going. Yeah, of yeah. course. And, and, I and you're ask, right, what, man. What's oh, the sorry. vinyl behind your head? I've been staring at it the whole time. Oh, this is the 12-hour the shift score. Okay. Because the, uh, the the two colors in it, the kind of the maroon and green, I was like, is that like a Smith's record that I've never seen before? Because it has that <laughs> kind of look it's to it. I'm like, I know it's it? not that image, but sorry. Just yeah, I, I Angela Bettis right there from that's you see, yeah. that's even more of a uh a get having that put on final. Yeah, that was great. Did you yeah. have a release of that or did you have yeah. to that's great. There was a, a record label called Burning Witches. They do a lot of like horror and electronic stuff, and they released it, which was amazing. They awesome. released two like styles too. This one with the red, oh yeah, and then one with a green, which is Probably really cool too. Yeah. yeah, nice, very cool, Super fun. Well, thank you so much for doing this again, gentlemen. Thank you for working with me for making the schedule happen. I do appreciate it. So, thank you so much, man. We really enjoyed talking with you. I hope we can do it again. So do I. Yes, absolutely. So whatever that is, I, I will count on that i will find you when it's coming out i'll make sure <laughs> i hold you oh yeah awesome. i love it cool and next time we're in phoenix i swear i'm gonna let you know please please or do tucson. Please, please do or yeah, tucson well, yeah I, I i do a lot of driving to phoenix for things <laughs> we don't i mean i i love my town but we, no yeah it'll, it'll probably be phoenix so cool cool that awesome. sounds good cool thanks guys well, thanks chris yeah right. have a good one you too bye-bye
my wife tends to think of me as somebody who uh, this is my show, so I can be as inappropriate as I want to, uh, but as somebody that's addicted to pornography and it just takes way too much weird shit to make me come anymore. And so, so um, for, for this movie um, it, to be something to have this kind of an impact on me, I think really does speak highly of it. So thank you for that. Happy to lend a hand. <laughs> so to speak. 